Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. I'm always encouraged when my time is compressed, but God still speaks to me in powerful ways, ways that I don't always understand because it just comes in kind of like a, kind of like a, a, a bucket dump. You know, just boom, and there it is. And, and uh, I'm in the middle of that. This is the second of three messages that I received from God in a matter of 15 minutes sitting at my little makeshift desk in the basement of my kid's house uh, recently. And, and uh, so that's where we're going. We're talking about the promise of God that keeps producing. And just give me a chance to just talk this through with you. You may remember that we're talking about seed time and harvest. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 tells us that seed time and harvest will not or shall not cease. So we, that's the promise I'm talking about. Seed time and harvest. It happens. God's word is a seed. It's consistently and continually planted into our life. And there will be a harvest and it shall not cease. That's what the word says. We, we see in the book of Galatians that it says, do not be deceived whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. If a man sows to the flesh, he will reap from the flesh corruption. And if he, if he sows to the spirit, he will reap from the spirit eternal life. We see those things, those promises. And that's what we're focusing on the last couple of weeks is this idea behind deception. And, and uh, last week we talked a little bit about the deception and literally a deception is just when your mind is led or or misled in a particular area that's all deception is is you look at something and you see it in a way that does not reflect its true spiritual components and so for example you can look at our world today through natural eyes and be deceived because the world does not reflect the true intent of god today and so don't be discouraged by that. Don't be, you know, you don't have to freak out and have a knee-jerk moment. That, that's the deception that I'm talking about. Last week we talked about the deception that causes us to misinterpret Scripture. And we used specifically John chapter 10 last week where it says a thief comes not just but only to kill, steal, and destroy. And most of you, you know, charismatic, wild-eyed folks, you just say, well, that's the devil and he does that. And what I was trying to point out to you last week was that's also uh, uh, in context talking about spiritual things. It was actually the religious and political foes that were in, in uh, chapter 9. You can go back and look at that. And those people that were trying to marry religion and politics together, that's one of the deceptions out there. Now, I, again, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but, but please be aware of where I'm walking. Because if you stick your toe where I'm walking, it will get stepped on. And, and so I just want you to process this with me that there's a deception out there that at times can create this elevated status of politics and nations. Listen to me carefully. The issue that we are in in God's picture always surrounds Israel. And you, you need to understand that everything is a cog in the timepiece of God uh, in, to, to reestablish or to, to reinvigorate Israel to bring Jesus as the Messiah into to Israel and to cause all nations to come together under one banner, and that is the banner of the rule of God himself. And so that's, that's this overarching picture. And so don't be deceived. Dead people can't be killed. Don't be deceived. If you don't have anything, you can't be stolen from. 
right? And don't be deceived. What you think you have cannot be destroyed by someone who doesn't have any power. The Bible says that the, 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 the enemy of your soul, that Satan walks about like a lion. It's a comparative statement, but you must remember that because Satan is already defeated, that lion that is roaring is only trying to get you to freeze based on the sound he makes because Jesus pulled all his teeth. You get it? So you say, oh man, I can't believe this is so terrible. Listen, it's only terrible because you're using the wrong lens or the wrong filter. You're actually having a transference of mind. And this will all hopefully make really good sense next week when we talk about from Romans chapter 12, we talk about being conformed, literally pressed into a mold that the world makes. See, we're deceived that we have to use at times, this is next week, but just let me ramble for just a second. So we're deceived by thinking that we have to use these worldly standards and these worldly traits to accomplish what God has. And just, just understand with me that when things are spiritual, the only thing that moves a spiritual line is a spiritual function. So we got to stay there. Don't be deceived by that. But today's deception is a little bit different. And so if you would, please open in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. Hopefully, if your Bible is like mine, it has Isaiah 54 on one page and Isaiah 55 on the other, because I'm going to compare two passages a chapter apart. And so remember, we talked last week about how you need to add faith to this. Remember uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, I assume that Jeremy has all of these things. Oh, there it is. There you go. In verse 2 it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Don't be deceived. God isn't just doing it because of God. He wants you to cooperate with it. So deception corrupts your ability to cooperate because you believe the wrong stuff. So you cooperate with the wrong stuff, right? And, and so it's really interesting when you start processing and then you ask, well, why doesn't it work? Because you're cooperating with worldly ways. When you cooperate with worldly ways, it does not produce what you think it will produce. See, you can't do world and expect heaven. This is not possible. And so you can say, well, that's not what I'm doing, Pastor. Okay, listen, crazy people do the same thing over and over again and believe it's going to produce different results. You cannot use worldly function to produce spiritual results. Sorry. You say, oh, yes, I can. No, you can't. You are deceived when you think that way. Well, I'm just going to keep going to church and God's going to bless me. That might be true, but going to church won't make you any more of a Christian, any more than sleeping in your garage makes you a car. Location is not the, is not the issue, right? You don't get to be better at it by coming to church on Sunday. You get better at it by reflecting the person you say you worship. Be like God. Amen. Now notice it says in the, in, the, in the eighth verse of chapter 55, are we ready? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways, nor your ways my ways, say the Lord. Now listen, while that's true, it doesn't say that you can't ever be like him. 
It merely points out that left to your own devices, you will choose oftentimes your own ways. And, and I just want to point out something to you. Most of you have asked God to bless your ways without ever considering his ways. You've come up with a prayer plan without considering his already blessed stuff. How many of you have heard the idea you should renew your mind? It's all through the Bible, right? How many of you know that that's qualified when it's mentioned for the first time? It's qualified by something. Did you know that? You'll hear it next week. Let me give you a little taste of it. The Bible says, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice for this is a reasonable service. And the next verse says, and renew your mind. How many of you know that if you resist bodily transformation, it doesn't really make any difference what your brain says? I know, see, that's next week. There's no anointing for you to hear that this week because nobody jumped and hollered and said, wait, you mean to tell me that I need to go ahead and, yes. Christianity should change you. Christ-likeness should change you. And you should consider it a reasonable service to give yourself to a God who loves you. It's just reasonable to do that. Notice his ways are not our ways. My best idea on my best day falls so short of God that I really should give up on my best ideas. Because God's ideas are better than mine. But they're not beyond finding out. Amen? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. What did he just say? He said, my ways come from heaven. They don't come from earth. I always love it when people prophesy. I'm kind of the, the world's best supporter of prophetic ministry and the greatest critic at times. Can I point out to you that if God says something that doesn't happen, it's probably not God's fault. It might be the person who said it, mixing their own humanity in with what they wanted. Can I point out to you that when it doesn't happen, it's not because you didn't pray enough. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't measure some. Listen, God is not up like some sort of dog trainer in heaven holding a stick and saying, jump this high. Come on, you can do it. What kind of a God would it be? Would he be if he had you jump through all the hoops just to receive what he gives away for free? His ways aren't ours, but they're heaven's ways. Right? And I just want to tell you something. The last time I checked, the door wasn't closed on heaven. You don't have to beat the door down. You ought to just stand in line. He is pouring out grace like you can't believe. If God can use someone like me, you should recognize that God is pouring out grace. I mean, it's just real simple. Don't be deceived, people of God. Now, notice it says here, 
My way is higher, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, for as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. It may give seed to the sower. Please don't eat your sowing seed. And bread to the eater. Notice the order. Sow first, eat second. This is not rocket science, people of God. Stop eating your seed. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. These are spiritual principles that God put in place. His word designed by God from heaven returns to him having accomplished. You say, well, it isn't accomplishing. It always accomplishes what he plans, may not always accomplish what you planned. Always accomplishes what he planned. If you can't figure out what he's doing, it's because you're looking at the wrong stuff. Amen. It'll accomplish. Notice this says what I please. In this particular case, the prophet Isaiah speaking for God says it'll accomplish what God himself pleases. It's real important that you begin to figure out what pleases God so you can notice it when it happens. Amen. You say, well, but pastor, you don't understand. I have all these needs. The Bible says you don't have a need that God didn't know before you needed it. He knows what you need before you ask. If you missed him giving it to you, it's because you've magnified the need you think you have while ignoring the solution that he just gave you. That was way better preaching. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Look over into Isaiah chapter 54. Hopefully it's right on the page there. If you're a Bible underliner, you should underline both sides of these because it's so powerful. What we're talking about today is the deception that causes you to misunderstand warfare. The deception that causes you to misunderstand warfare. If God designed us to fight in this battle, we have to realize that he designed us to be more than conquerors. It's not just about the singular victory of comfort that we're looking for. It's more than that. And the only way for you to be a more than a conqueror is to have something that needs conquering. You cannot be more than what you refuse to participate in. Come on. You want your marriage to be better. You've got to be more than a conqueror. You've got to come against those things they want to come into your life to destroy the intimacy and connection that you have with your spouse. If you want to be more than a conqueror in your children, you've got to, to take the design of God and recognize what God says about your kids. They are arrows. They're meant to do some stuff. Sometimes we've so protected them and pulled them back that we're scared to let them be used of God because it puts them in a dangerous world. And can I point out to you if you're... Don't touch it, Pastor. <laughs> Moving right along. Verse 17, Isaiah 54. Are you ready? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is God's seed that produces a harvest. It is not optional. Look what else it says. 
I'm going to really tear this apart next week because it fits so well, but I want to introduce it. And every tongue which rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Next week, I'm going to tell you about that condemnation. It is not using worldly terms like speaking louder than the people that you're in conflict, conflict with. You condemn it by your lifestyle living outside of what they say will make you successful. Yeah, it'll make more sense next week. The world will tell you it'll make you successful if you'll live like them. But you'll condemn those words of judgment by living a lifestyle empowered by the very presence of God. And that's noticeable. Did you know that I've been in ministry for almost 40 years? And sometime about 40 years ago, people stopped telling me dirty jokes. Why? Because of my occupation. I, I miss out on what you might think are all the good jokes. But then I listen to people like that, and they can tell you a good joke, but they can't tell you three memorized scriptures. Boy, they can tell you a good joke. I butcher jokes. The preachers that do jokes, you know they're reading those jokes. Sorry, Chad, wherever he went. They're read Bill Johnson, one of my favorite guys, tells a joke two or three, but he's reading them. But he puts his iPad down and begins to preach and he never picks up his Bible because his Bible lives inside of him. It just keeps coming out. Why? Because he's different. Like what a weird guy he is. He's only about five foot five. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's a little teeny guy. Got a hippie California hairdo. You know, long hair and stuff and curly and that kind of stuff. And he talks like everybody understands you. Right? He, just, he talks in ways you think... Wait, I've never heard that before. He just moves on. I want to raise my hand. I'm watching online. I want to raise my hand and have him stop so I can ask questions because I've never heard that before. Because he's different. No weapon formed against him prospers. Now, isn't it interesting that I would use somebody else to do that? Can I point out to you that in, in New Life, that no weapon formed against you since 1988 when you built this building in 1979 when you started this church. That no weapon formed against you, no tongue that's risen up in judgment has actually prospered. If you would have believed what the world said, this would have been a parking lot, a barn, a feed store, somebody who sells irrigation motors. I don't know. Because that's what they all said. But no weapon formed against you prospered. It means the ultimate end result was what God intended, what, not what man. See, don't say, well, yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. I'm, it's really hard right now. This is not the end of your situation. This is what you're going through right now. See, I can go through some stuff right now. Right? It's not the end. That's not what God said wouldn't prosper. That stuff isn't going to prosper. I don't care what's happening right now. I know in the end of all of this stuff, I raise up the crown of victory because I'm more than a conqueror. If you'll get that, you'll quit, be quit being deceived about warfare. By the way, you're not strong enough to do this. So the warfare will never be about you or what you know. I'll get you to there. Are you ready? You shall condemn, now here's the point for this week, that is the heritage. Does anybody know what a heritage is? 
Biblically, heritage means property or goods bestowed by will. Property or goods bestowed by will. I happen to be the receiver of something that was put in a will. At the death of the testator, the will was put in place and the function of that will had to make me as an inheritor realize what was promised. That's a heritage. You all live in a heritage. And that heritage is that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. When Jesus went to the cross as the testator, right? He had to die to put this in force. Of course, surprise, he was raised from the dead to put the Holy Spirit here so that he could enforce what was determined in heaven. It was never about us. That's our heritage. See, you're deceived by thinking, well, now you know I gotta study real hard and I gotta, I gotta do this. And then when I'm, I'm in warfare, I gotta be really loud. Because I'm pretty sure the devil is real hard of hearing. So make sure and yell a lot to get his attention. Make sure and use the right language. Because in some cases, the King James language is much more powerful. Thou dost know. Come on, we've been deceived by all of that. We've been deceived that it's about how we participate. It's not. It's our heritage. The inheritance written down in the book says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let's start there, shall we? Rather than saying, oh, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. It's the worst thing in all the world. Listen, if we want to compare ugly, I can find people who got real ugly things in their life. One of the people that I, Tracy and I grew up listening to uh, went to the mission field and all four of their children died on the mission field. Serving God. Suffering for Jesus. I'm thinking, well, that doesn't sound right. You know what never stopped him from serving God? Because it wasn't the end of the story. I don't like the story. I have a grandson. When I pick on him, he says, Papa, I don't like this game. Because I pick on him a little bit. Because I think it makes him stronger. <laughs> I don't like this game, Papa. Who's deceived? See, we're, we become deceived when we don't start where God started. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can I, I can't move on until you get this. You have to start there, people of God. I don't care what you're looking at. You can look at the situation in our country. You can look at the situation in our world. Let me point out to you that this is true regardless of what you think you see. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's your inheritance. It's your heritage. God wrote it down and gave it to you. All right. Do you have the, I'm sorry, I, I skipped all of those things. Do you, have a, do you have a quote that says something like, the heritage is the harvest of God's world? I know I, word, I, I know I miss a whole bunch of those, brother. I apologize because I didn't really know what I was writing when I wrote it. 
And uh, yep, that's the one. The heritage is the harvest of God's word as seed in our life. You have to cooperate or add faith to it. So here's the thing. If no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that's our heritage, that's our inheritance, but you have to add faith to it because it's a seed in our life and we're waiting for the ultimate harvest of that seed. Does that make sense to you? See, what we want oftentimes is not the ultimate harvest, but the immediate harvest. Listen, some of you got some hard rain this week. Frozen rain. That's not the end of the story. It's not the end. You say, well, yeah, what are we going to do? It's not the end of the story. That's the first thing you're going to do is recognize that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. You don't condemn it by loud words. You condemn it, you con you condemn it by a lifestyle that you lead that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Throw your shoulders back and live like God meant what he said. You say, well, but you don't understand, Pastor. People go broke. I'm not one of them people. I'm not one of those people. Well, but you don't understand, Pastor. Well, you quit being one of those people. Trust God in what he said. Okay. 11 minutes. 2 Corinthians. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians. This is the warfare passage, chapter 10. I hope after today you see it differently than you've ever seen it before. Let's begin reading, if you would, please, in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Stop for just a second. Under no interpretation did he talk about something that was fleshly and physical right there. He talked about imaginations and thought processes and spiritual things. He didn't say you had to take captive the bad things that are happening. He said you have to take captive how you think about those things. It's way different. Verse 7, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? You have to answer this question. Now, I'm going to elaborate on all these verses, but I want you to get it in context. What has happened here is that Paul has been to this church once, written a letter once or twice, and is going to come back. And this church is kind of like your church, okay? It has some crazy folks in it who have done, they needed a little help, right? I mean, this church was operating in spiritual gifts and they said, hey, what about this? He says, this happens in our midst. And Paul wrote back, you know, in 1 Corinthians, all these things, how this is supposed to happen. And he shows us a more excellent way. And, you know, oh man, it's just awesome. And of course, also in that church was a, a, a how old are the kids in here? Was a young man who was sleeping with his mother. Um, I just want to point out something to you. That ain't right. And you shouldn't have to have a man confront you about that. It's not right. 
This is that passage where Paul was saying, when I come, I don't want you to think of my spiritual or my fleshly prowess. I'm coming to you in the power of the Spirit. That's kind of what this, this context is. So notice it says in verse number three, are you ready? Follow along with me. For though we walk in the flesh, it's imperative that you understand that we do indeed as individuals, we are functioning as flesh. When I look out at you guys, I don't always get the luxury of looking at you through spiritual eyes. There we go. We walk in the flesh as a function. I'm not, I'm walking by the spirit, but the function of my life is fleshly. I suffer the same difficulty you do. It's called flesh-itis. <laughs> Occasionally, how you walk is affected by how you feel, by what you go through, by the emotions you have, by the struggle that you had. How many of you have had struggles with people that you know you shouldn't get upset with, but when you get home, you kiss the dog and kick your wife? Because... I've been through all these tough things and so, but I can't, you know, do, but when you get home, you let everything out. That's not how God, he says, we, we walk in the, you are going to be a person who has some function of flesh. And I know that you say, well, I don't want to be fleshly. I didn't say you were fleshly. I said you had a function of flesh. You walk subject to, at times, to your emotions, your physical things. You all <laughs> sit in this church this time of year occasionally, and I always love it because some of you will fan yourselves and some of you will borrow somebody's coat. There is no pleasing you people. Because you're walking in your flesh. Not that you shouldn't be cold or hot. It's just the way things are. Amen? Some of us have been married long enough to recognize that there are certain aspects in our shared marital life that change that overnight. You can buy all the new thermostats that you want put in your house, but probably in your marriage, your wife's thermostat changed. And by the way, her exposed buttons should never be pushed by you. You don't get to adjust her thermostat. No. <laughs> Hands off. <laughs> Are you ready? Get ready. Come on, listen. God created us this way. The function of our flesh as a biological life was created by God. He molded us into and breathed into us the breath of life. Yes, we want to be spiritual, but we get to do it in this. Right? It's kind of like you can believe all you want that you want to drive a new car, but unless you go get a new car, you ain't going to have a new car. You're going to drive home what you got. See, no amount of hoping fixes that. Well, it's kind of this. This is what you got. Right? Your flesh is subject to you spiritually, but this is it. My hair turned gray because of the church. (laughs) 
You all are hard on people. When I came to this church, I had black hair. And probably 50 less pounds. So you hurt my hair and you made me gain weight. See what Paul was up against in the church? See, we got this combination of how this, it's not your fault that I'm an emotional eater, but if you'd be nice to me, I wouldn't be as emotional, okay? Come on, we all do that. We walk in the flesh. That's the point of this. But we do not have to be controlled solely by that function. We are to war differently. Get it? You got, you got to war differently. If you war in your flesh, you're going to get your stuff handed to you on a plate. Because the devil as an entity is stronger than you. He just doesn't have the authority you have. So you got to figure that out, people of God. So when the devil comes to you fishing with fleshly bait that is attractive, like crumble cookies, you got to learn how to have discipline and to function outside of your flesh. That's what Paul was trying to get across. Don't be deceived. You're not going to somehow magically transform into some sort of spiritual being that never has to deal with emotions and stuff. Man, you've got to deal and you've got to not let it rule over you. Amen. Notice it in, the, in the, the, the third verse again, it says we walk, but we don't war according to the flesh. See, we walk in the flesh as a function, but we don't have to be controlled solely by that function. We are to war differently. Look at verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down the strongholds. Listen, listen to how it says it. For our warfare, our weapons of our warfare. We have a responsibility to engage in warfare. But we have to engage spiritually. You don't have to stomp your feet and scream and yell and do all that stuff that are physical. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm saying you don't have to. Right? You, you, you don't have to enter into a fleshly kind of a, you know, thing to make sure your warfare works. You just have to believe that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Start there. I'm not up against stuff more powerful than the God who is in me. Right? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Too bad, they lose. Notice, we are not powerless against the deception. It's our warfare. Our warfare is, and here's the word when it says it's not, whenever you see the word no, not, or something like that, it's almost always at least a two, if not a three negative, not a double or a triple negative. This one in, 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 in process means no, not, never. Okay? Real specific. Our warfare is no, not, never to be carnal. It's to not get its power from the fleshly side of us. It's to not get its function from the fleshly side of us. It will not do you any good. In fact, it'll do the enemy good if you get angry and have a meltdown. Don't have to. Because no weapon, my ways are higher than your ways, God says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. 
Start there. Don't be deceived. His weaponry given to us has a function. It says, for our weapons or for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. He's giving us this intent, this directional intent. Look at it in verse number four. This word four, it says four in verse four. Verse four, the first word is for. It's a directional intent. He's saying, listen, understand this. It's not carnal. The directional intent of God is to make these weapons spiritually mighty. It expresses the intent of God through that mightiness. He's not, see, this is not that time where you say God loves those who help themselves. No, this is not it. You don't have, you don't have all this stuff you got to bring to the table. This is you saying, wait a minute, this doesn't line up. Number one, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So when you say, well, yeah, but pastor, you don't understand this weapon is prospering. Nope. Back up. This is where it starts. This is the first thing. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Get that. Get that living on the inside of you. And then quit looking at when you determine that the weapon is prospering. Did you hear me? Quit looking when you determine that a weapon prospers. That's only your tolerance level. Well, I don't want to go through this. I'm telling you what. Like you, my wife and I have been through some stuff. Much of it we would have never chosen. We were enlisted seemingly by a God whose ways were higher than ours. That's pretty powerful. And so in the midst of what we're going through, we try to look and say, okay, God, if that's the case and your ways are higher than our ways, then my ways should be neglected and your ways should be magnified. That's how you teach babies to pray, by the way. Magnify the ways of God. That's how you get young people excited about the things of God. Let them do the good stuff. What do, okay, come on. What do we want them to do? We want them to learn their Sunday school lesson and, and color inside the lines. Right? I mean, come on. I was a color inside the line guy. I got no rewards for color. I could not understand why the people in my classroom, I was an inside the line guy. In fact, I was so meticulous about this that I would take my crayons. By the way, my crayons were neat crayons. When you have a box of crayons, just let me tell you how this works. Take them out one at a time. And when you put it back in, you know, the big ones with the, with the, with the sharpener on the back, before you put the used crayon back, give it a turn and then put it back where it goes. That's how crayons work. Okay. Wow. When you get, kids, when you get your picture from Sunday school, pick the color and outline on that little line. Put a big, heavy bunch on the line right there. And then when you color inside, that little ridge that you just made will keep you inside the lines because God loves it when you paint inside the lines. Listen, nowhere in the Bible is inside the line thinking. If you're in this building today, let's see, we sent out who? Uh, three years old through first grade. If you're six or seven years old, it might be the youngest group in here. If you're above that, I just want you to know, paint outside the lines and try what the Bible says. 
When somebody in your household and your table says they're not feeling well, put your fork down and walk across the room or around the table, lay your hands on them and pray and expect because no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Quit teaching them to ignore the principles of God. Does that make sense? See, what do we do? Now, paint inside the lines. All we're really saying is stop making us uncomfortable. We've already educated all that stuff out of us and we're uncomfortable when you do it. Come on, how many of you have a grandchild that loves music? Right? And they sing, only they got no concept of key. But they sing loud. You know, and they're just, they just love God. And you're just thinking, should we correct them and get them to sing on key so that they never sing again because they think they can't because some adult told them that what you're, what's coming out of your mouth is distasteful? Please don't do that. Because now you become a part of the wrong side of that equation because you're the weapon that's prospering in your child's sight. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. That's where we start. Amen. Look at verse number five. It says, and so here's the intent. It's not carnal. It's mighty. For, for, again, dis, displaying the intent of God in mightiness. For pulling down strongholds. Now, you can think this is fleshly, but literally one of the ways you could translate this are thoughts or air castles of thoughts. Thoughts that end up in your head building protection, building a, a moat and walls around it. it. says, well, this is the way life is. Listen, people who grow up in poverty create a stronghold of poverty because they've never seen anything else. I never will forget this when I was young, but before my mom and dad had any level of successfulness, I, I still remember this. This is, this is 60 years ago. And I remember on one particular morning, not having enough cereal and feeling poor. Feeling poor, I thought. You know, this much milk in the jug and only this much cereal, and I wanted more cereal than that. So I poured the cereal that it had, and you know the bottom of the cereal box has got all the dust in it and stuff? And then when you pour the milk on, the dust becomes mud? And you don't like the cereal? I remember when I was four or five years old, feeling poor when that happened. And I fought that through all of my life, and it's still in me now. I think there ain't no way because now it's spiritual, right? Now I'm going, no, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. The devil cannot steal my money. I already gave it to God. Amen. I got nothing. And by the way, since God has it, he'll make it multiply. Thank you very much. Not based on my smarts. God is so much smarter than me. I wish I could tell you personal stories, but that would just magnify the wrong thing. But, but, but can, I, can I point out to you that once you start with no weapon formed against, you can break those spiritual strongholds that say this is the way life is. It's always been this way. It'll always be this way. It'll never change. No, it can change. Notice it says pulling down strongholds. I'm going to get there. Casting down arguments. See, the arguments are not necessarily public. They're the arguments that happen in your head. They're in your brain. I remember pastoring and thinking, there is nothing possibly good that can come out of Imperial, Nebraska. And when I still had when I came here, or Eckley, Colorado. Little teeny podunk town. Churches don't make a splash like this. And God began to deal with me, and I realized no weapon formed against us shall prosper. 
God can do life-changing, that's where I started, life-changing things in small churches in towns nobody's ever heard of. He can do world-changing things in small towns that no one's ever heard of with people that no one knows and pastors who will never make a splash other than what God splashes. And all of a sudden I realized, you know what? God's doing a great work. It's why I pray for pastors and why I work hard to be in relationship with them. Not trying to magnify myself. That's God's intent. God wants them to grab a hold mightily and direct the forces of heaven against the strongholds and the lofty arguments. Verse 5. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. See, you're never going to get rid of all those thoughts. They're going to live there. But you need to build a fence of captivity around them. That, that, that fence of captivity is no weapon formed against me. See, I know the kind of things that the devil comes fishing with in my life. Okay? If he can point out to me that I'll never amount to anything. Remember I told you I struggled with a little poverty mentality. If I'll never amount to anything, if he can poke at that, he can get me to stop, potentially, because now I've become what my fear was. See, Job had that thing. You've become what you fear. Here's what God wants you to do. Build a fence of captivity with the truth of God's word. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in judgment against me shall I shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. See, that's a great fence. Because the will, the testament, the inheritance trumps everything else. That's why verse 7 says, do you still look at things as though they're out at, through the outward appearance? See, if you, if you drive down the highway, this church is so normal to you, you, you'll neglect to see some of the things that God has done. Why would anybody build a church this big in the middle of nowhere? Look what God has done. Why would God bring you to this church when you have probably nothing to offer really? in your own mind. Look what God has done in your life. Why would God, through all of you, give resources to this church that boggle the mind? Look what God has done. No weapon formed against shall prosper. It's not the end of the story. We're in the middle of the story. You're in the middle of your story. Why do you continue to look at things through the outward appearance? That is not the picture. If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ's, let him again consider this himself, just as he is in Christ, so we are Christ's. He's really trying to point out for you to say, wait a minute, it's not about the, about the outside, it's about the inside. Do you belong to Christ? And if you belong to Christ, all those heritages, all those inheritance belong to you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let's start there, shall we? Don't let the devil deceive you about warfare. It's our warfare in his power. It's the might of God displayed by us understanding that he said, no weapon formed against you. There is nothing that surprises God that comes against you. You might be surprised by it, but there's nothing that surprises God. You can be more than a conqueror. You can be victorious. And greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can live in that. Start there. Amen? 
Amen. Come on, music team. Did you get it? Hope so. Hallelujah. Stand with me, would you please? I know that was a lot to process today. It's online. You can go pick it up. You can go listen to it again. It won't hurt you. Take notes. You can download the notes there. Say it with me. No weapon weapon. formed against me me. shall prosper. See, just understand it there. That's what God wanted to give you in his last will and testament through Jesus Christ, that no weapon formed against you. It is not the end of the story. Amen? Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your truth. We just continue, Father, to rejoice in what we find in your word, Father, that looks to be specifically designed for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.